what could your life be like if you had more courage? If you don't have an answer to that question right now, I hope you will by the end of this episode. Welcome to the Astound Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Sally Saxon. Today, I have the very special pleasure and honor of having Mr. Laban Mitchburn as my guest. Uh, Laban is a speaker, author, host of the Become Your Own Superhero podcast, leader of various mastermind groups, and is also affectionately known as the world's best courage coach. Welcome, Laban Ditchburn. <laughs> glad to have you on the podcast today. Well, not as glad as I am to be with you today, Sally. Thank you very much for your very generous introduction there. It's just a real thrill. Okay. Well, when let's start out with when you uh, have the title, the world's best courage coach, tell us a little bit about what's behind that. It's a very polarizing statement if you haven't been exposed to the background behind it and it's deliberately intended to be so. And I literally told the story that I'm going to share with you and your beautiful audience this morning. In September of 2021, my wife and I were living in Melbourne, Australia, and we were still under lockdown at that point. And about a year or two prior to that, I'd made a declaration to myself to be known as the world's most positively influential speaker. And I didn't put a particular time frame around it. I knew that that would take a lot of work and a lot of self-development. And at the time, my wife had to go back to Russia for some urgent family business. And because we weren't married at the time, Sally, I, I wasn't able to travel with her. There was a number of challenges around her even leaving the country. We had to get special permits from the government to leave as citizens, which was just ridiculous given the circumstances that why Anna was leaving. And we were destitute. I had had a failed business that I attempted in 2019 in recruitment. And I use the term failed for effect only because it ended up being a, a, the most amazing blessing in disguise. But I watched a video on YouTube and uh, it, you know, I'd love for you to include this in the show notes as well. It's, it's uh, a video about a guy called Steve Hardison. And Steve Hardison is known as the ultimate coach. He's a Mormon guy out of Mesa, Arizona. And up until two years ago, he didn't really exist anywhere on the internet at all. Uh, he used to coach people like Byron Katie and Iyanla Van Zandt, who was Oprah Winfrey's coach and had her own show, Save My Life, Iyanla, you know, professional athletes, billionaire CEOs, and basically the best of the best. And, and you know, He's $200,000 for 50 hours of his time, um, if you can get on his, on his list. And he turned down being on the Oprah Winfrey show at least four times that I'm aware of. He never wrote a book. He never went on podcast interviews. He never did articles. He never put himself out there at all. For reasons I don't, to, to this day remain unknown. I have my, my inkling, but I, I don't actually know. And I found this very interesting, but there was one video of him that existed of a two hour and 10 minute long presentation that he did that completely changed my life forever. And it was so impactful that I, I, I decided that I was like, I need to speak to this man to see if he's the real deal. And I used my, my talents at reaching out and connecting with these untouchable people. And I got his cell phone number and I called him up, Sally. And this is when I'm back in Melbourne and he picked up the phone and, 
And I said, uh, Steve Hardison? He said, yes, it is. I said, Steve Hardison, it's Laban Ditchburn here from Melbourne, Australia. He goes, Laban, so great to hear from you. I've been waiting for this call all my life. Now, that alone was an extraordinary response to anyone picking up the phone. And I was so enamored by this response that I was trying to think of a way that I could serve Steve Hardison. And he was unbelievably successful. He was happily married for 40 years. He had a big family and grandchildren and, and a thriving business and very financially very successful that I'd heard. And I said to him, Steve, I just watched this video of you talking about the, the, this declaration of being. And I just wanted to ask you one very specific question. He said, what is it, Laban? I said, what do you need help with? I had because I had nothing else to offer this man. Mm. And he said, wow, Laban, I, I really want to acknowledge you for asking me that question. He said, you know what? I'm 66 years old. I'm 8% body fat. I walk 10 miles a day. I've got the love of a beautiful woman. I got everything a man could ever want. But I really want to thank you for asking me that question. And I said, oh, no worries, Steve. I said, uh, are you still not doing podcast interviews and that type of thing? He goes, that's right. And I said, oh, no worries. I said, the reason I ask is I'm a speaker, I'm a coach. I've got this amazing podcast series called Become Your Own Superhero. And I'm well on my way to being known as the world's most positively influential speaker. But someone that I admire recently said to me, Laban, there's too much ego associated with that statement. Now, Steve Hardison, a devout Mormon, yells down the phone at me using the actual expletive and says, Laban, <laughs> you tell that person to F off. Do you know who I am? And I was like, who are you, Steve? Getting all caught up in evangelical. He said, I'm the best coach in the world. And in that moment, I heard that it was from no place of ego. None mm. at all. It was an extraordinary experience for me, Sally. And I, and I had a 15-minute conversation with him that completely changed my life. Well, I got off that call and I rang, I rang a guy who was a friend of mine that I'd got to know over a few months by the name of Chris Doris. And Chris Doris actually featured in this video that Steve Hardison was speaking from like maybe 12 years back. And, and Chris Doris is known as the Mental Toughness Coach. He has a podcast called um, The Mental Toughness Podcast. And he would work with NFL stars and, you know, pro golfers, that kind of thing. He's now... The, the main mental skills coach for organizations like Salesforce. Mm -hmm. And he, he even he's three or $4,000 an hour if you were to hire him. And I rang him up and I said, uh, hey, Chris, I just um, got off the phone to Steve Harnison. He goes, what do you mean? <laughs> and I said, oh, I just had this amazing 15 minute chat with Steve Harnison. He goes, no, you didn't. And I go, oh, no, I just did. He goes, you, you cold called Steve Harnison? And I go, yeah, what's the big deal? He goes, you know, just ring Steve Hardison out of the blue like that. And I go, <laughs> why not? He goes, do you have any idea of the gift of courage you had to bring to the world? Yeah. And, and, and did Steve Hardison even ask you when you was on the phone, like, how did you get my number? No. The best ones don't. Mm. They, they know that there's an energetic reason why. And, uh. and so I said to, I, I, was honest with with Chris Doris. I said, Chris, you know, this is great, dude, but I need to create some income. You know, Anna's had to go to Russia and we've got no money and blah, blah, blah. 
he spent four hours with me over two separate phone calls, Sally. And we came up with this idea using this experience that I had in cold calling these, these people. And there's a hundred other examples that I could share with you, but he get, helped give me this, this blueprint and this declaration of the world's best courage coach, which was a declaration to the universe, nothing to do with ego at all. And so this was my mission. I had to cold call the biggest organizations on planet earth and read to them this, this following script that we'd come up with. And so I rang the CEO of Zoom, the very platform we're recording, a guy called Eric Yang, and, and the cell phone reception was a bit dicky and he, his English is second language. He didn't quite understand and that ended up fizzling out and I rang Cisco and a few other organizations, couldn't get through and it was getting late in the United States. So I started calling companies in Australia using the software called Lucia.com, which is a plugin for LinkedIn. and and I rang a guy who's the CEO of a company called Hodges Real Estate in Australia. They are the oldest real estate company in Australia. And, and I rang Tony on his cell phone. He picks up the phone and says, hi, Tony speaking. I said, Tony Zarka? He said, yes, it is. I said, Tony Zarka, it's Laban Ditchburn from Melbourne here. He goes, oh, hi, Laban. Do we know each other? I said, Tony, <laughs> we've never spoken before, but today's your lucky day. And he laughs and he goes, why is it my lucky day, Lab? And I said, because Tony, I'm the world's best courage coach. And I teach your people how to take bold, massive and courageous action so that they can facilitate their own miraculous outcomes. Yeah. Well, Sally, that phone call lasted 15 minutes. He invited mm -hmm. me back the following Wednesday to pitch for some training and coaching that this organization needed. Now we were still in lockdown, so it was a virtual event. We jumped on the call. Now, bear in mind, I had no pitch deck. I had no warm introduction. Just made this outrageous cold call to this guy who's the CEO of a very, very big organization. And Steve Hardison, one of the things that I learned from him, he talks about power, the power being in the listener. And anyone that's very charismatic understands the significance of being a powerful listener in the way, in the very way that you're being a powerful listener for me telling the story. And I asked him one question at the beginning of the call about what which direction he wanted to take this business. And he spoke for 45 minutes nonstop, Sally, mm. and shared with me on that call everything that I needed to know for me to be able to best serve this organization. And when he finished, and I let him finish, I said, Tony, what about being the best real estate company in the state of Victoria, which is where Melbourne is? And his eyes looked up and left, and he sort of started nodding subconsciously a little bit. And I said, well, what about being the best real estate company in Australia? And now he's really getting into it. He's starting to see possibility for the first time. Mm. And I mm. said to him, Tony, you do realize that in order to have the most successful real estate business in Australia, you need to become the best real estate CEO in Australia. Mm. And 30 seconds later, Sally, I had this 53 year old grown man standing full stretch out of his seat, yelling at the top of his lungs, I'm the best real estate CEO in the world. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's like you were, you were kind of helping him to cast a vision, you know, not just for the company, but for him personally, because he had to become what you told him he needed to become in order to take his company, you know, to that, that higher level. Exactly. Well, he was starting to see possibility for himself. I wasn't 
showing him he was seeing it for himself which is a really important distinction i pitched on that very call a three-month program training and coaching with him and his staff for two hundred and fifty thousand australian dollars which is about one hundred and fifty thousand us at that point sally i was a hundred dollars an hour for the coaching that i was doing and you know what he said to me he goes laban he said this is exactly what we need he said, I physically do not have the liquid to invest in that right now, but let me see what I can do. And in that moment, Sally, what happened to me is I broke through this invisible glass ceiling of who I knew that I could serve in the world at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And what he decided to do next was completely superfluous to my cause because I knew that I could approach the most successful people on planet earth and add tremendous value in their lives and the reason i'm telling you the story and the audience's story is not from my point of view but to see this in yourselves what you can achieve when you make bold outrageous and courageous decorations like the one that i made and i'm very proud to be able to share that i've i've helped at least 100 150 people come up with their own world's best statement which is a declaration of how they show up in the world. It's non-quantifiable and it's intangible. So until they have a world's best courage coach convention at a Reno, Nevada, <laughs> no one can take that away from me. And I right. knew that no one had, had done this before because all the domain names were available. And we created a mastermind series, which we concluded at the end of last year, the end of 2022 called world's best mastermind, where we had people that, made a declaration of being the world's best in their chosen niche. And we had Les Brown, Jim Cathcart, Waldo Waldman, who's another Hall of Fame speaker and a former F-16 fighter pilot. We had Dan Clark, who's the lead contributing author for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We had Dr. Daniel Hanna, who studied under William Tiller and, and um, Dr. David Hawkins in, in, in Sedona. Mm. Uh, incredible speakers and coaches and authors and, and people that were just starting out. And we used to, we had these three hour meetings once a month. And I realized the significance of bringing these people together because people like Les and Waldo and Jim and Dan and, and Dr. Daniel Hanna, these people often were looked upon as being these, these gurus that they could never possibly need help. And I realized something that everyone needs help. And when you start to see how well you can serve at the highest level, that's when you can create massive positive change. So that's the that's the origin story of the world's best courage coach. And now I use it as a way to deliver clarity to people when they ask me what, what I do, particularly being in this entrepreneurial space where like mm -hmm. you, we wear many hats and people that meet me for the first time say, oh, hey, Laban, nice to meet you. What do you do? I say, I'm the world's best courage coach. And 99 times out of 100, they say, wow, what does that look like? And I go, well, I teach people how to take bold, massive and courageous action so that they can facilitate their own miraculous outcomes. And I do that through my speaking, my coaching, my podcast, my book and the masterminds that I run. And right. it helps it helps people, which most of us comprehend life at a much lower education level than we realize. Most presidential candidates, the ones that are successful, speak at a fifth grade level. Mm. When, when Trump ran against Hillary Clinton in 2016, he spoke at a, a third or fourth grade level. She spoke at like a ninth or 10th grade level. And you look back at all that, whether you like these people or not, you go back through history 
The ones that have become president are the ones that are able to communicate to the majority of the masses. Yeah. And there's a, a there's a great quote just in, in finishing Sally from Myron Golden. He says, "Think like a genius, talk like a third grader." Hmm. And what I'm doing is trying to create simplicity and clarity around what I do so that people can investigate further and not feel like an idiot when they're asking me what I do. And then that allows and creates business opportunities and clarity and, and wonderful connections with people that are turning into exactly why I'm on your show today because yeah, of the declaration. Right. And, uh, you know, I, from uh, the different ways that we've, gotten to know each other over the last few months and you know having had the benefit of spending you know collectively you know maybe several hours talking with you and reading your book and you know watching some of your podcasts and uh you know the more i discover about you laban the more i believe you know you you exemplify you know that declaration uh i mean it's really quite amazing and uh, as you know this podcast uh astound yourself is about helping people discover um you know what's really possible for them you know whether it's overcoming something or achieving something uh you know either way you know dealing with challenges that people take on you know that they choose to take on themselves or challenge those unwelcome ones that you know just pop up in their life that they don't really want to deal with and um you know, in the in my first episode, uh, I talked a little bit about how uh, we settle for so little in life. And there was a there was a great quote uh, by, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, well, two quotes that are that were really uh, good. One was by C.S. Lewis. Are you familiar with C.S. Lewis? Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and he said, we are half hearted creatures you know, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We mm -hmm. are far too easily pleased. Yeah. And I'm into that. Yeah. And that kind of kicks into some of your background, which we want to get into a little bit because you have such, such a, a powerful story of, of overcoming and uh but you know what you were talking about too you know with regard to to courage and the way you've um you know you ask people you know what do you need help with um because we all need help um there was another part in in the first episode of the podcast uh the quote by Mahatma, Mahatma Gandhi where he said uh, the difference between what we do and what we're capable of doing would suffice to uh, solve most of the world's problems. And I, th I thought that was a very powerful quote. And that's, you know, when you ask that question of people, you know, how can we help you? I think it's going to that issue of, you know, of helping to solve all the world's problems, you know, uh, and that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast is giving them not only the inspiration and motivation, but also some keys and nuggets like you've already shared, uh, you know, about, you know, what is really possible for me? How can that help me? Like if I change myself, how can that help me serve other people better and make a, a more of a difference in the world? Amen. Amen, Sally. 
and and you know watching your growth just from my point of view has been super inspiring <laughs> because you've you've put this together in less than a month and we're sitting on it for a while and i and i continue to speak to people almost daily that are brilliant but have this imposter syndrome bollocks or limiting beliefs cast upon them from their childhood with parents that were doing the best they could with the tools that available but were ill-advised you know i'll give you a great example yesterday was father's day in australia and new zealand they have at different times of the year and and i sent my my father a message um wishing him happy father's day now my father and i are nowhere near as close as what we used to be because incidentally ever since i started to improve my own life I think it's triggered a number of his own insecurities and he hmm. can't be around my energy. But one of the things that astonished me was in the message, which was about three and a half minutes long. He likes to record WhatsApp audio messages. You know, we told him that we just moved to the United States and moved to Tampa. And he's like, he was asking questions like, um, you know, what are you doing for a job? What are you doing for work? And like, like this, you talk about astound yourself, Sally. <laughs> yeah. My father, my father, um, in 2020, I would interview the best and brightest minds scientifically, medically, use my father's health challenges as questions and get answers and, and guidance that was previously unattainable. And I would send these to my father saying, dad, dad, what just, what just, what just never did. He never did. And, and I, I still love my dad and I, I do my best not to judge him, but he didn't want my help. And I was trying to ram help down his throat when he didn't want it, but he has not read my book. Hmm. He cannot, he cannot bring my, bring himself to read my book. He is, he has not paid any attention to any of the stuff that I'm trying to do in the world. So I just, I just got interviewed on a really big show called dropping bombs with Bradley just came out in the last week. So I just sent him the YouTube link and said, if you want to know what I'm up to, watch this and, mm -hmm. and no response. Now, Sally, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't, didn't watch that. And I, I know people listening to this will hear this in their own lives or the lives of their family members and friends that are not receptive to the help. And it's, and it's a sign from the universe that you want to work with people that truly want help, particularly when you're in a, in a business of service or a career path of service and service for my opinion is where fulfillment comes from you go to college and you get a degree and you want to get the big house and the white picket fence and the kids and the beautiful wife and stuff the thing that people are actually looking for is fulfillment and they confuse it with materialism and my life ever since i've figured out my purpose has become infinitely more rewarding i'm able to help way more people and i never feel like i've worked another day in my life since Mm -hmm. But yet yeah. my father still can't wrap his head around what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, so I'm not saying that to judge on my dad, but it's just funny. It just happened yesterday and I was, just shook my head in disbelief. I was like, are you kidding me? Will you be living under a rock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think we all go through a process in life where we're, we just have to be ready, you know, for the next step. Because a lot of times as you know, a lot of people just have a lot of difficulty moving out of their comfort zone, uh, especially, in, especially in certain areas of their life. 
Uh, and, you know, like what advice would you have for people who are afraid to move out of their comfort zone, whether it's, you know, fear of loss or fear of rejection, uh, fear of what other people would think or, you know, some other kind of fear, you know, what, what would you say to them to encourage them? Well, a great, a great question that I ask of myself and have done a lot in the past and, and ask a lot of people in, in when we're working together is take a look at your current existence, just objectively look at it in terms of your happiness and fulfillment and health and wealth and relationships. And I'd ask the question, how's that working out for you? And most people would say, not very good or mediocre, mid, could be better. So once you ask yourself that question, how's that working out for me? Well, you can continue going down the path of the something that's not working, or you can try something that might work. And whether it works immediately or not is all part of the learning process. Sally, I've started and concluded think many, many things that never worked, but you, you have to go through that journey of figuring things out in order to come up with the answers having a coach or being in mastermind groups, you know, I know you referenced Napoleon Hill in your first podcast, the power of a mastermind. He talks about you learn more in 12 months than you would in an entire with 12 people. You will learn more in 12 months with 12 people than you yeah. would in an entire lifetime by yourself. So the work that I do with people is help people that want help compress time so that they don't get to 80 years of age and they are, they never, they never found their purpose. And, you know, statistically 2% of the, the adult population, the working population in, in North America do what they love. 2%. Wow. If you want to be part of the 98, you want to be part of the 2%. Right. So that's, yeah. that's the first question you can ask yourself. And then once you, once you realize that, you know, it ain't working, find out, find a way to make it work. And there's all the free resources in the world that exist through podcasts and books, people that have already done it. You can go down that route or you can hire someone to help you expedite that process. Mm -hmm. And it just depends on what your priorities are. Right. Right. And, you know, right now uh, I'd like to go uh, take a little shift or transition backwards to where you were when your life was all messed up. And, you know, what happened to turn yourself around to become that world's best courage coach and, and being bold enough to make that kind of declaration that can you take us back to how your life was all messed up and, and that, that period of your life, because it's very powerful for other people who are struggling with, you know, some of the same kinds of addictions that, that you dealt with. And, uh, you know, I read your book, actually, I've read it kind of twice now and it <laughs> it's really amazing i highly recommend your book uh laban to anybody listening uh because uh i mean besides the fact that it's funny i mean it's so it, and it is raw in certain parts but you know so authentic and transparent and you know you're just so honest and it helps uh i think it helps us to see you know, what's really possible for somebody whose life is a total mess, you know, 
you know, and I, I know you would agree because you wrote the book, <laughs> you know, on it, but that's where you were. So take us back a little bit, describe, you know, what your life was like in the before picture uh, so that people can get an idea of what you have overcome and how you overcame it. My life, when I hit rock bottom, objectively wasn't too bad. I had a good job. I showed up to work on time. I had colleagues that liked me. I reported into my boss and did what I was told. I had lots of friends on Facebook and I would wish them happy birthday and make sure that I was going out of my way to create unique messages to make them feel special. And then I would go home at night and I would put three bottles of wine into me and find myself on a laptop, not even watching the race, but using the betting site to gamble on horse races that were happening in other countries because all the horse races had finished in Australia at that point. So one particular night, like on a Tuesday about midnight with those three and a half bottles of appropriately priced Pinot Noir coursing its way through my veins and gambling on a horse race in Hong Kong with money that wasn't mine to spend, I realized that the direction that my life was heading was the opposite of what I imagined for myself as a young man. And I looked in the bottom left-hand corner of the screen that I was gambling on and there was a phone number that I'd never seen before, but recognized it for the first time. And without even thinking, Sally, I picked up my cell phone, I called it, and it was the number for the gambler's helpline. And incidentally, the woman that picked up the phone, her first name was Mary, and I'll never know her last name, but I'll call her Mary Magdalene because she was my guardian angel, whether she realized it or not. And she listened to me for the first time without judgment, which for people that are going through addiction in any form is a very powerful place to show up because many people that we share what we're going through don't have the experience or knowledge. They just try to go and create solutions and solve our problems, which is not what you need. You just need someone to listen without judgment. And she let me, she let me spill my guts. And there was a lot of crying and, you know, you're a bit more emotional when you meant drinking, but there was a huge release and she let me finish. And then she started sharing with me some cold, hard facts, Sally. She shared with me about the incredibly high rates of suicide that pathological gamblers experience. When, when they lose everything because they lose it so much faster than, than all the other addictions. Mm. And that put the fear of God into me and she presented an opportunity to get free counseling through the Salvation Army, which was paid for by the taxes from gambling losses. And that started a year and a half long healing journey <laughs> that I got for free and the best return on my gambling investment that I ever had. <laughs> and I think I worked out that I nearly recouped all the money that I'd lost gambling through the free counseling, the tens of thousands of dollars that I got back. And I had my first session with this woman, Lee, and she asked me one question about the relationship I had with my mum. And I just broke down and started weeping. And she also listened without judgment. She gave space for me to share. And I started sharing more and more and more as I, as I was having these sessions with Lee. I saw her every week for a year and then every two weeks for six months after that. This was in 2015, about March. By December that year, I'd given up gambling and I just celebrated, uh, I'll be celebrating eight years without laying a single bet in mm. December of 2023. The next year in August, I gave up alcohol. I just celebrated 
about two weeks ago, my seventh anniversary of sobriety. It's been longer for drugs, longer for gambling, the philandering, the sex addiction, the porn, you name it. And I, I was very blessed because I didn't never needed to go through any 12 step. And I'm not saying that there's not a, a place for people to utilize that. I don't identify with the, the, the reaffirmational, hi, my name's Laban and I'm, and I'm an alcoholic because I think there's a lot of power in the language that we use. So for me, it doesn't resonate. But as I started this, this healing journey, you know, I, I, I started healing my health. I had an incurable autoimmune disease, which I fixed in four days by cutting gluten out of my diet. And then my physical shape started to change. And over the course of two years, I lost 60 pounds of body fat. I went from a 38 waist to a 30 and then put on 30 pound of muscle. So my physicality completely shifted. And then as I talk about in the book, inextricably in 2018, I started running and I went from running three miles in, in May, 2018, which is the longest I'd ever run and never had a history of running in my family or personally to completing my first marathon two weeks later, which I ran in three hours, 56, eight weeks after that, I ran my first 30 miler, which is considered an ultra marathon. And then eight weeks after that, I ran the century surf coast in Victoria, Australia, which is a 60 mile or hundred kilometer trail run ultra marathon with 27 kilometers or 18 miles of sand that you have to run on and have gone on to run three completed three 60 milers. And I got medically withdrawn from a, from one other one at about the 41 kilometer mark a month after I ran my first marathon. And I'm not, I'm not sharing this stuff to gloat or to Skype, but when you, when you start taking bold, massive and courageous action on your life and you start putting these ducks in a row with your health and your spirituality and your, mindset and and start shifting how you show up in the world great things happen the universe will conspire to help you god will conspire to help you it's in alignment and once you go through an experience like what, what i went through i feel for me that i've been given this obligation to share this message with people that aren't quite so far along as i which is the the driving force behind writing the book putting the podcast together and connecting with these people, these incredible people like yourself to help level me up. And in the process, cut out all of the dead weight of former relationships and friendships that were really just drinking buddies because you become and earn within a few thousand dollars of the five people you spend the most time with. So why would I spend time with alcoholics and gamblers and drug users and people that would you know, commit infidelity and all these things that are out of alignment with what I want to do. I, I don't judge them. I pray for them. Mm -hmm. But, the, and so that's sort of been this journey for me. So the declaration and the, to be known as the world's most positively influential speaker is, is because of how much I want to create while I'm in this iteration of our life. And I want to witness my legacy while I'm still here. I don't care right. about what I did and have entered the next spiritual realm or whatever we do. And uh, so does that answer your question? Uh, yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, there, there are a lot more stories that Laban shares in his book, which like in my review that I post on Amazon, your book, <clears throat> I said something, the effect that <clears throat> as I was reading it, <clears throat> excuse me, I couldn't help but think 
uh, oh my goodness, I can't believe he just shared that. Or <clears throat> in, in some cases, I can't believe he just did that. You know, <laughs> especially when it came to the running, uh, well, the, everything that you shared, but when it came to the running <clears throat> uh, things that you did, it was very difficult for me to believe because part of my journey that actually was the foundation for this podcast <clears throat> had to do with my running and, you know, starting, you know, age 60 and, and doing, uh, completing over a hundred half marathons and 10 full marathons, <clears throat> starting from not even being able to walk more than a hundred yards because of an arthritic joint, you know, and how I overcame that. But, you know, running the half marathons got to be where it wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't a very hard deal, but the full marathon was a whole different animal. And so when I read your stories about <clears throat> the ultra marathons that you did, you know, with very little or, or no training, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, how in the world could he have even finished those? Uh, and, you know, that took a lot of a lot of courage to even attempt those but also you know what i noticed that drive within you to finish you know no matter what like cuz you you go through in the book some of how you were feeling along the way you know you wonder oh my gosh how many miles does he have left and how can he possibly finish you know this race but somewhere you found it within you uh to be able to finish well, the, yeah, they weren't without without consequence. And I got injured, as you read about in the book. I did my iliotibial band, which for any any athlete out there that's ever injured that will know just how painful that is. And I did that at the halfway mark on the first 60 miler, which I ran in about seven hours. And then, then when I got up from resting, the pain was there and it just aggravated it and aggravated it. So I limped for 50 kilometers or 30 miles. And it ended up taking me just shy of 19 hours to complete the whole run. I didn't know anything about electrolytes back then. I didn't prepare adequately for the change in weather. It was one of the coldest years on record that they had um, when the wind shifted in the rain. So I was borderline hypothermic. Um, and, but I, I just knew that I had to finish it. And the finishing of the race you know, and, and Sally, this was easily the most pain I've ever been in my life. And I jokingly talk about the fact that it could easily be more painful than childbirth, you know, for, <laughs> for women in the same manner, which I realize is a very controversial statement, but I say it sort of tongue in cheek a little bit. But when I finished it, the ramifications of the all the other areas of my life, which I never realized, burst into into observation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what else can I achieve? And so that was really all the momentum behind these declarations and the kind of impact I want to have in the world and I am having in the world. And I'm not a, I'm not going to diminish myself here, Sally, but I'm not a famous person in Australia or New Zealand. I'm not anyone of any significance. I've been mediocre at everything in my life until this point. And this is, the reason I'm not mediocre and the reason I am the world's best courage coach is because it's in perfect alignment with what God has in store for me. And that's become abundantly clear. And no matter what your age, 
figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, that's what I say. You know, no matter what your age, you are capable of doing a lot more than you think you can. And, um, you know, even for people who are really struggling right now, you know, either physically, emotionally, mentally, because especially because of, you know, what we've gone through the last three or four years, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of people who are just having so much difficulty getting through each day you know, because of how their life has been turned upside down. But, you know, we, you know, we want to give hope even and encouragement even to them uh, that there is hope for them. Because like, weren't you, when you were kind of at your lowest, you know, weren't you going through, you know, some, you know, thinking or just a discouragement about, you know, whether or not you could, you know, overcome all those addictions or, you know, you know, what, what encouragement could you give to those who are really struggling just to get by and get through each day? Well, there's a great quote from Les Brown that I love sharing. He says, ask for help, not so that you appear weak, but so that you can remain strong and keep asking for help until you get it. I knew from a very young age, Sally, that I was destined for great things. And as I, as I went into my adult years, that was becoming more and more diminished. Until you're at a place of pain in your life, where you're willing to, to stop the thing that you're currently doing to go and try something that may not work or put yourself out of your comfort zone, you're not ready. And you can continue to exist in your quagmire or you can do something about it. And the pain of me remaining in the current state was way worse than the pain of the unknown. So that was my motivation. And I knew, you know, and to give you an idea, like I academically failed fifth form twice. I never went to college. I, I don't have any credentials for the work that I'm doing at all, but I have powerful anecdotes of my healing journey that I use as examples when I'm talking to people, like we were talking today, like we're talking today rather. And it's important that I operate in integrity. So I don't teach things that I don't know about. I only, I'll leave that for the experts in that field. I talk about things that I've overcome. And so I model that, that learning model on where I learn. I only want to take advice from people that have achieved what I want to achieve as well. So you don't need to be healed to start teaching this stuff. You know, if you're at a place of absolute rock bottom, and if you are listening to this right now and you're about to maybe take your own life, I mean, you can do that if you want, but like, wouldn't it be way more fun to be able to come back from the adversity that you're experiencing and, and use that, that experience as powerful anecdotes that people will be inspired by you and take great change for themselves and to receive messages when you write your book that people have never met you where they say what you wrote about in your book changed my life forever and thank you for what you did and when you go on podcasts and, and radio programs people reach out to you and say keep doing what you're doing thank you for what you're doing and and I'm sharing real life things that happen in my life now um what better feeling in the world than that yeah. being totally transparent right and you know I, i'm thinking in particular of people like for example 
uh, people who were severely injured, you know, through COVID, all things COVID, um, and where it's like physically impossible to do what they've done, you know, because they're because of their injuries, like from the the vaccine or or long COVID or something, they can no longer work, so they've lost their income, and you know, it's affected everything about their life their their family life their marriage their relationship with their kids their ability to do things with their kids uh you know it's just all they can do to try and get through each day and so i always want to give them encouragement because they were the <clears throat> inspiration i guess you'd say for the the book that i wrote uh which i'll put in the show notes about you know, the covid-19 vaccines and beyond uh with a couple medical doctors but yeah, my heart just goes out to them. So I know as, as some of them may listen to, to this and be encouraged by the incredible transformation that you have experienced, but where for them, uh, it's, it's a struggle just to get through each day. But I think knowing, you know, from conversation I've had with you, it's the mental thing. And so we can all work on changing our mindset uh, you know, in terms of even our, and our self-talk about, you know, what can I do? Uh, even when, you know, instead of saying, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. I can't do this. You know, can you just speak that to, to those folks for a minute? Yeah. It's a really, really great point, Sally. And here's what I, here's my observation of myself. We, there is so much nefariousness that takes place in the world. How much of it do we have actual control over? And rather than burying your existence in telegram groups where a lot of stuff is being shared, some of it true, some of it not, and becoming overwhelmed with the end of the world, I deliberately spend more than half my life learning solutions in the entrepreneurial space. It's probably more than that now. And I limit the amount of time I do in the, in the health and medical freedom space because I want to stay informed. and and I'm as passionate about the stuff as you are. And I give platforms to these people on my show and have relationships with these amazing people. But I've read, it's, I was working this out just yesterday. So it's like 630 books I've read in the last five years. Mm. And not a single fiction book, except with the exclusion of uh, modern day parables. Um, they're all professional and personal and health books. And like they were, they were a relatively cheap resource or free in some cases, because they didn't have the financial resources to hire a coach or to get involved in premium masterminds and that kind of thing. So you do what you can and limit the amount of time that you're doom scrolling. Because why create that, that energy in your life when you've got to sort yourself out because if you if you can't look after yourself, then you're in no position to help anyone else. So I'm building up my empire so that the next time they try to lock down the world, I can get on my private jet and get it, get the hell out of Dodge. I can pay for my family to, to get on the same jet and we can go somewhere where we're not locked down. I don't want to ever have to go through that experience as, as a blessing as that was in terms of my productivity and writing the first book and recording the first 100 episodes. But I've done my time and and they won't get it over me again. 
So I'm empowering myself with as much knowledge and resources and, and community and network as I can so that when the poop does hit the fan the next time, and it will in whatever capacity, that I'm in a position where I can thrive and capitalize on it. Mm. Because possibility and hope are the things that, that people that kill themselves don't have. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, most people are not going to be able to uh, fly away on their private jet, you know, when things get really tough. And so they're going to need some of the resources, resources, like you mentioned, that are available, you know, through books, the internet, there's just so much information, a lot of it's free, you know, through the various people's podcasts and all that they can, can learn, uh, you know, a lot of very important information, as well as get inspired and motivated and discover, like, for example, for those who are still suffering physically from a lot of the effects from the last few years, there are some, you know, excellent natural solutions, you know, for the health problems, as well as, you know, all things being possible for God. And he's in the business of, of healing people and doing miracles you know, as well. And uh, the hotline to God is is free. And so, you know, there, there's always, you know, resources out there and, you know, there's support groups, just like you got help when you reached out to that, that gambler's, you know, hotline uh, and found somebody to help you. And, and now you're asking other people, what do you need help with? So I'll, I'll end this uh podcast by asking you laban what do you need help with <laughs> i wasn't expecting that well first things first i appreciate you tremendously sally for what you're doing here and and love that you asked me that question the thing that that, that i would love your help with is if you're looking for real actionable practical steps that you can take for people that are in that place or a place close to what you're describing is Go to Amazon until I can find a better platform to get rid of, you know, the reliance on Amazon and do it independently. Yeah. Buy the Kindle paperback or audiobook version, which is in my voice. Enjoy the storytelling in there with the powerful, like Laban's random lessons at the end of every chapter. And in the hope that if you get one idea that helps you on your journey, then you go and replicate what I've done in whatever way is in alignment with you and your purpose on planet Earth and start sharing your message from a place of strength and not from a place of victimhood. And just going back to what you're saying as well, Sally, like if people are suffering with illness or financial stuff and they continue to remain in that space, I've got some harsh truths for you here. You don't want it bad enough. So keep doing what you're doing. How's that working out for you? Or do something about it and see what miracles you can create in your own life. Surround yourself with people that lift you up. Become ruthless with friends and family members that do not serve you well. Keep them at arm's length. Focus on yourself and watch the world around you transform. So that's how you can help me. Read the book. It's a funny, interesting book based on feedback I've had that's not a finger waggling. This is what you should do. This is just my experience. And I think you'll find a lot of parallels in both of our upbringings and the journey that we've been on. 
because everyone is struggling with addiction in some form with escapism dealing with some past trauma or conditioning and the people that suffer the most are the ones that say Laban I never had a bad childhood and then I come to learn something about them later on which is you know unbelievable so that's my that's my ask for you thanks Ellie appreciate it yeah you you're welcome and and <clears throat> I think one other point I want to make in in this discussion is that I think a lot of the times why people don't bother to even try to move out of their comfort zone or or work up the boldness to you know take some uh, incredible actions like you have uh, in your life, Laban, uh, is that they don't they don't think their life really has great value or they don't have great worth. They don't have something that somebody else could benefit from. And you know, I know you would agree that, you know, everybody's life, you know, is is very valuable. We just all have different gifts and talents and skills and things, but we all have something that's needed by somebody else. And so we all have something to contribute to the world. And then, you know, first, not everybody, like I said before in the episode one, is, you know, is a rocket scientist or an engineer or the president of the United States. Uh, that's not everybody's calling. You know, for some, it might be just extending that that uh, unconditional caring, unconditional loving and love and acceptance to somebody who's broken and hurting. Uh, and uh, I tell you, we need we do need a lot more people like that uh, to be able to to really help make other people whole. So there is something that that everyone can do whether it's a big thing or a small thing, you know, we, we never know uh, what the power of just one person can do. And when one person impacts another, because you don't know who that other person is often or what they may grow into and the impact they're going to have. And so, you know, the power of one is, is a very important thing. So, all right. So Laban- Can you a bit of myself, Sally? Yes. So how, how can people best uh, find out more about you or get in touch with you besides your book on Amazon? <laughs> well, the book's called Bet On You and there's a few other books called Bet On You. So you might need to put my name after it, but um, the best, best suggestion is just punch Laban Ditchburn into the internet and whatever comes up, use that as maybe the, the thing that you need. Um, it's the only combination of Laban and Ditchburn that exists on the planet. So you won't confuse me with anyone else. Just try that and, and see what comes up and, uh, follow your intuition, follow your gut and ask for help. Not so that you appear weak, but so you can remain strong. Keep asking for help until you bloody get it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's a great note to end on. And we'll have, uh, some links for Laban, all things Laban you know, in the show notes. And I want to thank you so much, uh, Laban, for coming on and just sharing your experience and your, your wisdom and advice uh, uh, for us today on the show. My absolute pleasure, Sally. Thanks, baby. Okay. I hope you're all inspired by what Laban shared, you know, that a lot more really is possible for us simply by being courageous enough to ask for help when we need it. 
So you might be very surprised at how willing many other people are to help you, and it might just change your life. You know, just a reminder to subscribe, follow, share, review, or comment. I'd love to hear from you. I'll be back next week for another episode of the Astound Yourself podcast.